You've got the, the three musketeers here. And there's T.T. You remember T.T.? T.T.? Yeah, from my email. R.R. and T.T. R.R. I remember. Yeah. And what was the T.T.? Well, sure hit me if I tell you. Woo! Oh, go on. The terrible Tony. <laughs> and, and you know what he sent me? He sent me an email with Rotten Ralph in it. <laughs> Ralph, can you imagine that? <laughs> no. Yeah, that goes back to when I worked at the airlines, the girls in the credit union couldn't remember my name. Yeah? What's your name? I said, Ralph, next time, what's your name? Ralph. He says, why don't you just call me Rodden Ralph? I said, then you'll remember me. And by God, they did. <laughs> oh, you're funny. But it's been around a long time. You are funny. Well, I'm glad you jettisoned it for me because it it made me wince. Oh, this really nice person, and look. <laughs> well, I, I still have that that uh, email on Hotmail. So uh, if my other one breaks down again, I, you may get a rotten Ralph. Oh, okay, if I have to. <laughs> if I have to. I guess it's working okay now. Yeah, it's working fine. But they, there was some problem with uh, someone's, I, I called my, my server, they said someone's identification was uh, leaked and uh, that Hotmail had uh, closed down uh, Compare, the outfit that I'm with, completely. And they, they stayed shut down for a few days until they worked it out. I don't know. Thanks. I never heard of that before. I never did either. But I sent you an email and it came back. I sent you an email and it came back. It's just, uh, it's very strange. As long as you didn't feel rejected because I wasn't the one who did it. No. Well, I, I always got that, I could fall back on Rotten Ralph. But... <laughs> Poor Rotten Ralph. I don't know if he's listening, but I want to say good, uh, good night to Charlie in New Jersey. <laughs> you know, his best friends are all voting for him. He, we, d we know that he did enough campaigning that he has won people's votes. Yeah, if, you didn't, if you didn't give him a CD, I would have sent him one. Oh, you are so nice. Well, I took a beating here. I think I'm going to have to send Charles a CD. Yeah, I think he got a pretty good chance. Yeah. We'll, we'll take a couple of more votes, though. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Right. I'm going to take my cold back to bed. All right, Ralph. You feel better, and we'll get some Phil Harris and Alice Faye out to you. Okay. All righty. Just take it easy. All right, Ralph. Good night. And I have found the Breakfast Club that we were talking about. Oh, please play that. And this is a great one. We were talking with Jim about this. What were some of the classic responses? And this is from Dominic Neal Breakfast Club, and he had Brenda Lee when she was nine years old as her girl singer. Where they're still working today, performing today, and that should be a future guest for us to get back her back her get her back on. Anyway, this is a time when she was at the Breakfast Club, and she had a terrific comedy line. Here we go. And said she didn't like the sponsor's product. Everyone's face was red, but the old pro, Don McNeil, handled the situation very well. That little Brenda wishes you had some great nuts right now, don't you? I don't like great nuts. 
Grant returns to this program Monday. <laughs> well, that's all right. Now, that's all right, Bernie. You didn't say anything wrong. Because uh, if you don't like them, I'm glad you told me about it. The thing is, if everybody liked them, they wouldn't have me advertising them. Because then everybody would eat them, and they'd know you're trying to get people to try them. And eventually, everybody can't like them. You know, this strikes me funny because people are always writing and people have come here and think, hey, all that stuff you do, that's all rehearsing. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts my foot. <laughs> Would you like to sing a song for him? Yeah. Fine, I'd like to hear another song from the good people. <laughs> you didn't like that. That's the funniest thing. I, you know, that, that was more, that was a longer laugh uh, than Jack Benny and, uh, and his uh, uh, your money or your life, I think, wasn't it, Brenda? <laughs> well, the honesty of a little child. <laughs> How old were you when you did that? I couldn't have been more than nine or ten. Less. Brown Jr. There we go. So that's the time when Bill and I had Brenda Lee on. And she definitely remembered doing that. Back in old time radio day. That's her heart. Yeah. Getting a little bit away from your mic tonight? Not really. I can. I can. Um, let me play another clip for you here, Patricia. I was talking about the Quaker Sparky's theme song. And I have it for you. Okay. Let me turn you down. This is better for you? Well, no, you weren't high enough. Okay. Am I not high enough? No. Huh. Okay. There we go. There we go. I just had to turn myself up. Oh, Way thank up. you. Way up. I knew you were there. Oh, man. Okay. This is how Terry and the Pirate handled their commercial jingle. And I think it's one of the classics. Here we go. Oh, here comes Quaker with a bang, bang. Right bang, bang. Quaker Puppy Sparky's the wee that got some gun. Family's favorite breakfast is the wee that got some gun. Quaker Puppy Sweet Sparky's has vitamins to tell. These he sets to wax the best and bar the taste as well. Here comes Quaker with a bang, bang. Hi, gang. Feeling smart today? And that's how they used to handle the commercials on Terry and the Pirates. Boy, they don't pay that guy enough. <laughs> they paid him, it wasn't enough. Wow, I have a question for you. Yes. There was at least one other show that had a singing announcer, and I think it might have been Superman. Did, did the Superman announcer sing the pep cereal or whatever? Was, yeah, pep, I guess. No. No, I, I know that um, Tom Mix, uh, Tom, was singing the opening jingle. Right. And on Armist Brooks, you always have the, when they, when they came with the shampoo commercial, they had a guy sing, Dream Girl, Dream Girl. It seems to me it was one of the 15-minute cereal, kid cereals. Hmm. Well, my brain, my brain has taken a vacation, so if somebody would like to call and help me out, this would be fine. 714-545-2071, 
And I have a whole bunch of really good stuff. Oh, that's good. I've got a list of the best produced. I've got trivia, sound effects. Well, let me see what my notes say. All right, all right. Best produced. Where are my notes? Where are my notes? There we go. Okay, we've got, boy, I haven't even gotten past the first half of my first page. Got the comedy shows. We're looking for your favorite comedy show and the show you think was best produced or best acted or best for any reason at all. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the one that you'd like to listen to. So I had a, a really unusual question, and I may have missed my opportunity on this. Can you answer? Can you answer your own trivia question? Your own question? Yeah. What is it? No. No. Oh. That was the answer. No. <laughs> <laughs> the answer. The question is: Who participated in a Mardi Gras celebration this week? Anywhere, any kind, doesn't make any difference. There's a big one in Key West each year, and of course. Is there another part of the country that has um, Mardi Gras celebrations? Hello there, you're on the air. Does Ralph, does, 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 are you going to join Ralph and say that Charlie gets a CD? Yes or no? Uh, uh, Walter? Yes. No one? There's, there's, there's Charlie from New Jersey who only answered a trivia question 60% correct. Does he get a CD or not? No one. Give him 60% of a CD. Yeah, I, I, I like that. <laughs> Boy, are you a diplomat or what? Good evening, sir, or good morning, or something. Our clocks have changed already. Yeah, I'm, I'm really confused. Uh, is, what is this time we want to ask uh, Patricia that question we talked about? Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Conspiracy once again. I know. Just kidding. I know. I, you got me again? Well, then uh, I don't conspire. <laughs> Yeah, right. But I, well, uh, how about this one? Uh, Red Rider's sidekick later became a toothpaste salesman. And you name him. Bucky Beaver. Ah, <laughs> very good. Was it Bucky Beaver? Yes, that's very good. <laughs> You're kidding me. Little Beaver was a sidekick, and uh, he became a toothpaste Salesman. Well, now, did, I mean, did, did little beaver lose teeth and become a bucky beaver? <laughs> That's the same one. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Who who was the actor who did the Ipana commercial? Ipana commercials? Well, that's Bucky Beaver. Oh, uh, yeah. Was that the question? <laughs> Let's start again. Which sidekick of little beaver became... A spokesperson for toothpaste? Yes. And I said Bucky Beaver. And you said yes. And I said, who is it? L Little Beaver was the uh, mascot's name. I mean, the sidekick's name. Oh, you got Bucky. me. I am such a literalist. Oh, <laughs> I cannot think outside the box with this kind of a question. Shame on me. I got it. I got it. <laughs> you answered the question. They don't know what. Oh, and I got it. I got it. <laughs> Took a little time, but I got it. Um, oh, little Beaver, Bucky Beaver. Oh, that was very good, Nolan. Also featured in the movie Grease, the, the commercial for uh, Ipana. Yeah. That's the year of the '50s, and they they uh, show it during a slumber party. They have the TV on, and that commercial's playing. Oh my goodness. Look that up. Well, you can stump me 
in two ways forever, except, of course, you can always buffalo me. Um, we talked last time, I think, about uh, Andy Griffith and the similarity to a radio show. Uh-huh. I, I thought of the name of the other actor. Well, and you can have two. We're looking for the radio actors that uh, appeared on Andy Griffith. Yeah. Such as Parley Bear, who played the, uh, Doc yeah. on Gunsmoke. Right, Parley Bear and then Howard McNeod. Right. Was on there, at the, I think the barber. Right. Right, Floyd the barber. Yeah. Floyd the barber. Right. right. Olin Soule. Yes. Who was the leader, Mr. First Nighter, uh, out of Chicago. Yeah. What he did was, he do on Andy Griffith? Uh, he was, uh, I, uh, I think he was part maybe of the police department. He always played that kind of a scientific guy, mm-hmm. scientist rather, a rocket scientist. <laughs> He's on Dragnet uh, a lot, too, in the same. Mm-hmm. He was kind of cast, typecast as a scientist. Yeah, he wore dark Harmon arm- arm- glasses yeah. and straight hair. Yeah. Are you uh, talking about Howard? No, uh, Owen Sawai. No, 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 I mean the character's name was Howard. Oh, no, uh, let's see, who played Howard? Uh, uh, he was kind of a, a whiny, straight-laced mama's boy. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was him? No, I don't know. Uh, no, no, that was Nolan. <laughs> you want to hang up and call back? But <laughs> Sule was very serious. He didn't have it. <laughs> Shame on me. Oh, Nolan, I'm just going to hush up here, and you just keep talking, okay? You're just picking on me. Oh, no, no, no. I am just so confused. <laughs> <laughs> you do that we'll so well. Change the subject. You do that so well. Okay, I'm listening. Oh, and uh, talking about Bob and Ray, one of my favorites, and I think uh, it was Jim that was talking about him earlier. Uh huh. Bob and Ray, I think he was right that there was a lot of in humor and inside humor in that, and people in the radio business got a bigger kick out of it maybe than the general public. Although the general public is pretty hip, I have found they know more of these terms than you might might realize. Yeah, but uh, you know, um, Mary Noble. uh, Those kinds of references, I think, are probably lost on the audience. And I I just never even thought about it before because the characters they made up were just so laughable. Maybe that's how come they're carried. You don't even need to know that there's a reference to an old-time radio show in there. I guess it's kind of on a couple of levels. But they had, uh, I always like the names of the, the, the reporters that they had. Uh, Wally Ballou, who, who would always end his reports with uh, being cut off the air. Yes. And they got his f- full name on. And reporting from Washington, it's Wally Book. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff, yeah. Good stuff. Do you have any Bob and Ray? Yeah, you gave me some. Oh, I, I did send them, okay. Matter of fact, I listened to it this weekend. I, I couldn't, or earlier this week, I could not believe uh, how much was packed on that. DVD. It went forever. I know. But I have a uh, little transmitter that I keep the uh, Yesterday USA on. I pick it up on any radio in the house huh? or any radio I'm carrying in my hand. So that's why I listen. Well, I'm doing other things all around. You didn't have any trouble accessing the shows from a DVD? No, not at all. They were, they were okay. Okay, that's good. Yeah. But they, there's a lot of material on it. It started out with the... Uh, Boston appearances, I guess. I, I guess that's where they started. This was 1948 and 49. Yeah, they were in Boston. Started uh-huh. in Boston, yes. Yep. But they, they, they gave a station break, and I could have sworn they said WGBH. Is that not the educational station in 
Boston. <laughs> they were educational. Yeah. <laughs> I always learned a lot from them. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm not call letters person. Well, it just seems to me that, like, this little house and some of those shows that are produced out of there. Uh-huh. I thought it said WGBH, and they, it sounds like that's the call letters they're giving. Although it's odd because the, uh, their episodes did appear on, uh, uh, what am I trying to think of? Not public radio, but... It says classical radio here. Well, they were on NPR for a while. NPR, I think. Yeah, yeah they were on NPR and... Kind of full circle. Uh. And they were hot stuff. Really yeah, consider, hot. Considering where they started in 1946, one was a dick jockey, one was just reading the news. Uh-huh. That's oh. where they started from, a local station, and they go... And they didn't even know each other. No. They, they met quite by accident as a result of being in uh, parallel markets. Like, they, they weren't even the same markets. They were parallel. You know. Didn't cater to the same audience, but they were in the same neighborhood. They sure could read each other's minds. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly what they did. They knew what the other one... I mean, it, it was just a routine that they fell into. And it was so spontaneous. That's what made it so much fun for me, or makes it so much fun for me. Yeah, it was... Uh, I listened to it on a mutual network and first became aware of it. And it was every afternoon in my hometown, I had it on the little mutual affiliate. And... Uh, I, I would, I'd be double over laughing at some of the stuff they did. <laughs> some of them were really funny. You know, it was another show that took me a little while to get into the swing of it. You know, listening to a couple of them just cold didn't make any sense to me. But after I listened to a few of them, I started picking up on what they were doing and how they were doing it. And it is just a funny, funny show. But it was lost on me for a little bit. Which I suppose isn't surprising to you. <laughs> Parodies they did. Jack, Jack uh, Headstrong. Yeah, that something was lost on me. Um, did you bring anything for us tonight? No, I, I didn't. I, I, I'm beginning to think I don't have anything that will measure up to what Walden has. He's got all this great stuff. Brenda Lee, I, I had never heard that before. I wish I'd known. Maybe you'll play that again sometime. Oh, play oh, well, oh, I should have a better copy. Frank Brzee was the one that turned me on, so he had it on his. Uh, Breakfast Club salute. So I think it was. Oh, a, I see. I think it was the Breakfast Club uh, album that I put out in the '60s. You know, to celebrate the uh, the history of the show, and I wouldn't be surprised if it came from that. But did that in Frankfurt, uh, Germany, for a week or so. Oh yes. And also, uh, but Brenda Lee is from Georgia too. I've always liked her music. We're about the same age. Oh yeah, yeah. I, She's got one of those voices that was made for southern spin music. I don't know what there is about the South, but the female singers have this quality in their voices, like the, it's kind of whiskey-washed and, and smoked down. Yeah. Whether or not they smoke, is I, don't, I have no idea, but that's the sound that you get, and it is so cool in a singer. Really cool. Good cool. Yeah, she's still performing today. Good for her. How old is she, Walden? I would say she'd be 43. She'd be uh, 60, 68 this year. And she's still singing. Good yeah. for her. Yeah. Yeah. Good on her. Yeah. She's no bigger than a minute. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. I haven't heard that phrase in a million years. <laughs> well, I'm a million years old. Oh, I know. 
if I heard it a million years ago, I guess I'm right up there with you. <laughs> Way to go. All right. Well, um, I've, I've got some questions for people. Which is your favorite comedy to listen to, and which one do you think was best produced for any reason? They don't necessarily have to be the same one, but they can be. Well, all the obvious ones have been named, I think. I've been in and out, but I think uh, I just mentioned Bob and Ray, and I, I could listen to them, and in fact, did all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, because of the uh, spontaneous humor that they generate, and the, the way that both of them seem to be having such a good time, you just get caught up in it. Um, I always thought uh, I, like, I like Jack Benny. Mm-hmm. So is that best produced or your favorite comedy? Uh, just, well, it was pretty well produced, I guess, and favorite comedy, too. Okay. Uh, you know, the no blank and all the sound effects and the running gags and things like that, that's a kind of thing that appeals to me, more so than maybe a Gildersleeve or a, mm-hmm. uh, a sitcom. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, Stan Freeberg later, I, of course, he was only on for a short time, I think, with his series, but it was it's brilliant. The uh, Stan Freeberg show. Mm-hmm. And I'd give that really high marks. He, he of course, is a genius. I'm typing as, you, as you're going. I'm keeping track of everybody's um, thoughts here. Did you hear the interview tonight with Gloria McMillan? I, I came in late, but I heard most of it, yes. Here, most of it. Our Miss Brooks um, was apparently a very unusual show in the sense that they really were as cohesive as a cast as they were as characters, which is so refreshing to hear. Hmm. Where would you put her on the list? Oh, way up there, yeah. Up there, too? Okay. We, we played that a lot in, when I was in service in the 60s. Our Miss Brooks was a once-a-week staple. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we always thought it was good. I like Walter Denton. Uh, not Walter Denton. Wal- Wal- uh, or what is it? As good Conklin? Uh, Richard Crenna. Richard Crenna, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Walter. Yeah. It was Walter Denton, the character. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I got it right. Yeah. Uh, Walton, was it you or Jim who asked for opinions on shows that you that we thought were overrated. That was me. That was you. That was me. Is there a show or a series or a group of shows that you think have been overrated? I think um, maybe Red Skelton, was, in my opinion, was uh-huh. a little overrated. I, uh-huh. um, maybe he was better on television than he was radio. I just didn't really care for the radio show. Yeah. Um, you know, that's interesting about television versus radio because he was a visual artist. So it doesn't surprise me that... Oh, yeah, he had so many... I guess vaudeville, hangover. Yeah. Act or something, but... And his characters, he had... The, they, almost all of them were visual characters. Yeah, the seagulls and the cauliflower McPug, the boxer. Cliff and Gertrude, yeah. The, uh... Who else uh, have? Oh, Willie Lump Lump? Yeah. Filled with two lumps, mind you. Yes. Kind of like the way you have your coffee. Say what? Kind of like the way you have your coffee, two lumps or one. Yeah, right, that's it. <laughs> but he spelled Willy Lump Lump with two lumps. That's when, the ticket. When you, when, when you were over in Germany, did, did people make requests 
for radio shows or anything that will be played with, with people sending requests? You know, um, as I said before, when we talk about being in the Army, there, yeah. there's a thing called a need to know. Mm-hmm. And they probably thought I didn't need to know that. Uh, <laughs> Very good. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and I couldn't answer your question. I, the, I know we got requests for the music because uh-huh. I did need to know that doing a DJ show. But uh, as far as the internal programming, that was upstairs. And I did make suggestions a couple of times. I said, I think it would be neat if we could correspond the time that the show plays in the States. The radio show could play on the, on the AFN at the same time of day. And they uh, took that under advisement and did play a couple that way. I think Gunsmoke was always paired with uh, when it aired in the States. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe a couple more. We did uh, Suspense. And I had forgotten that so many of those shows, like uh, Nick Carter and The Shadow, were on Sunday afternoon. Yeah. And I, and I thought back on that, and as kids, I can remember us running in where whose ever house we were near at the time and go in and listen to the hour and a half or so of those shows. But yeah. um, I couldn't do that. I don't think they did any on the weekends like that, but the weeknights, they tried to correspond it. And that went the way of satellite and everything else now. So when music, did it did did people ever call the station, or was it always coming through the mail to via the request? Yeah, there were there were no telephones in the control room. I never. Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, it, it would be relayed to you, and if you had a personal call, they would come get you. Oh, okay. After the show, uh, but no, there were no instant requests, mm-hmm. except for the staff. You know the. <laughs> One guy had a girlfriend over in Sausenheim and wants you to play a song for her <laughs> and, uh, and play a request that way. Mm-hmm. They had kind of an end in, in row there. And part of the time they didn't even mention the girl's name or anything. They would just tell her when to listen. They were going to play a song for her. Mm-hmm. I may have told you the time that we, we had to do all these inspections just like uh, any other branch of the service. You know, you had to make sure that you knew how to fire the rifle and that was tested once a year. Mm-hmm. And the other was a gas mask drill where you would go into a, a room that was filled with gas and you'd have the mask on and they... Right. Then you would remove the mask so you could feel how, how effective it was. And just as you were going out the door, and have you remove it and it would burn, burn your nose and your eyes. And I just about got out the door. And the guys knew that the AFM had come to get inspected that day. And he had engaged me in a conversation. And I'm standing there in tears rolling my mind. Could you, you, you're the guy on the noon show, aren't you? Could you play my girlfriend a song? I said, I'll give her the whole show if you'll let me out of here. <laughs> I was about to die. Well, that's definitely, that's definitely how the four radio station is, you know, just throw gas in there and you can get all the dish jockey play what you want them to play. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, I uh, am taking up enough time. I was going to uh, comment on a couple of things. I guess I did. I covered it. everything that was on my list. Patricia, do you have anything on your list for me? Well, I have um, some trivia questions that you might want to tackle. <laughs> okay, but since I'm on staff and I'm a contributor, I don't get a... I won't dip into the prize closet, but I'll be glad to try to answer the question. You, you won't go to the to the prize closet? No, I don't think I should. I, I uh, have a little advantage. I don't hear you two going for it, although you are the stars. 
Why do you think you have an advantage over the questions I'm going to give you now? No, I don't mean an advantage. It's just a, a qualification. You know, I should be disqualified because I'm on the staff. Mm, I don't think so. We, we make the rules. Yeah, we make the rules. That's right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. Not, yeah. Okay. Well, Patricia, Patricia, really yeah. Patricia and I outvote you, knowing two to one. So you're, you're stuck. Well, we are in a voting poll mood tonight, huh? <laughs> the voting booth is open. All right. Okay. Now here's here's a you want a really awful one. Okay. All right. What was Throckmorton P. Gilderslave's middle name? Uh, Talking about the T. T, as in Patricia. Oh, wait, it was a P in the. Huh? Uh, um, I don't know. That's a really good one. It's a really mean one. Okay, so we'll get down to the next one. And this one was tossed out a little while ago. What was Andrew H. Brown's middle name? Oh. Uh, now, if you were in school, you would have known that. I would have known about Amos and Andy in school. No, if you were attending Saturday night school with Walden and me, you would have known that. Oh. Because I said it two times. <clears throat> so if you don't remember, then I know you weren't listening. Horatio. No. Andrew. Something grandiose, I'm sure, but I can't. I don't. I don't know. I don't think I ever heard it. I, did, I missed Saturday night. Okay. Well, we're gonna give you a forgive on that one because somebody else didn't know it either. Um, um, should I give him another really hard one, Walden, or should I play fair? Oh, I think give him another harder one. It's oh, really? Hard? Yeah, yeah. Give him a okay. Yeah. We're still into names. You, we can do um, products or names. Which would you like? What was the other one? Promise, uh, promise or names? A product. Uh, oh, oh, I see. Uh, products, yeah. Maybe we better try, try product. I'm not doing too well on names. Yeah, well, you do fine on the products. What was Spry that came in a can? Um, it was uh, shortening, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Oh, nice. See, you did fine. Yeah. Oh, you think I'm going to give you the other answers? <laughs> no, I, I say, don't spoil it for somebody else. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Because <laughs> I was going to wait for you to say, well, what are the answers? And I'm going to say, well, I'm sorry. You just have to wait for somebody to answer them, which means you have to listen. I think that's a good hook. <laughs> good hook. <laughs> I can send you some shows because, oh, wait a minute. It's your turn to send me something, and then, or do I have it? Yeah, uh, I have it, and I have, uh, if you want it, I have two more at Christmas. Uh. <gasps> Very cool. Different from the other one. Oh, man, I just love Christmas music. I really do. That's the bestest thing that you could ever send to me. Right. It'll be set for July. Yeah, for July, yeah. We're having Christmas in July again this year, aren't we, Walden? Well, I haven't talked to my co-host about that yet, but I think she's already working on it. Well, your co-host has a folder here that says Christmas in July, oh, and she's already I, collecting it. I guess, I guess we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Nolan, when the envelope reaches me and it has to go back... Uh-huh. What would you like me to put in it? Oh, um, let's see, I don't, uh, well, I'm, I'm trying to think, you get, you sent me Dimension X mm -hmm. and oh. X minus one, did you not? I think I did. I think I had the, those two that were similar. Um, so, um, science fiction, I still have, 
Um, 2000 plus. Space Patrol and 2000 plus. That was a pretty good show. Don't remember that one. Is that a kid show or a nope. adult science fiction or? Oh, and I've only, I've done, gee whiz, three? Yeah, it's an adult science fiction. It was only, and it was only two or three of them around. No, I've got three, two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven. I have eleven of them. Wow. Which is good, huh? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'd like, like to hear that. I, I'm not familiar with it. Okay, well, you will have 2,000 plus. All right. <laughs> the, the, um... Stampless envelope will be on its way. Okay, that's great. <laughs> Christmas is coming. The goose is coming. <laughs> Talk to you then or later. All right. Okay, Nolan, thanks. Okay, good night. Good night. And 714-545-2071, our number. We're up and about. Now, Walden, i got to ask you, how come I can hear everybody except you? I don't know. I don't know. Let's, let me. Yeah, that's better. Look, and, and that's wide open. Let me do a test. Hold on, Patricia. Let's plug this in better. And let me look in the master knob. Okay. Oh, there you go. I had a. I I plugged the thing. I plugged the thing into the board better. That should oh, do it. I'm so glad I'm not going deaf. Thank you. You've got the bunny ears of all time. I feel better. I can put my, I can roll my ears up and put them away now. <laughs> okay, but I've got some stuff. I've got some stuff. And I got, I know, I also got stuff. But if, you have stuff too. But if somebody wants to call in and out stuff us, they can. And out stuff us. us. All right, this is good. I, and I have a weekly Stump Walden question and a couple of other things for you as well. Oh. Um, but and we do have a Fibber McGee and Molly show. And, a, and um, we have a Fibber McGee and Molly show. And we're still, and, still and, dragging that and we do, show and we need to promote, like an albatross. And we need to promote our guest for next week. Say what? We have a guest next Saturday. We do? Yes. Mr. Cora Schultz will be with us. I thought that's on the 19th. Oh, that is the 19th, isn't I know. It? <laughs> <laughs> there it is, right on my calendar. I saw that. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> yes, we have Mr. Schultz next week, and I have his book right in front of me. You we, laughing at me? No, I'm just saying, which we have is a book. I just, I, you know, I am so fractured this week. My whole week went through the trash compactor. I just don't know what happened to it. And I filled it all up, and it, it, I ran out of week before I ran out of me. Um, on the screen. I'm glad you got plenty of me, because that's what I like. Say what? I'm glad you got plenty of me, because that's what I like. Yeah, I got plenty of me left over. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so adorable. I know. On the screen, on the air, on my mind. It is a great compilation of extremely well-written articles about... Um, everything in show business. Oh, my goodness, just about everything. We've got radio shows, movies, uh, Frightmeisters, short subjects... But he's got them broken up into really nifty categories. He's got the funny men, Leo Gorsi, Abbott and Costello, Stan Freeberg, a skeleton scrapbook. I'll have to go look at that. We've got Ladies Take a Bow, All About Eve. I am assuming that is Eve Arden. Mm -hmm. 
Frightmeisters with Bella Lugosi, Vincent Price, and a whole bunch of others. Gabby Hayes, Alan, um, Alan Ladd. Oh, that's good. Frank Lovejoy, William Bendix, and radio shows. He's got a whole list of radio shows he's got articles about. Um, Gildersleeve bloopers. He's got a, a blooper pro article in here. But he's a jolly bad fellow. All right, now. Which show is he talking about, Walden, when he when he's titled it, For He's a Jolly Bad Fellow? Uh, would that be Arthur Godfrey? No. I, I, I think he's probably talking about the performer. Yeah, I'm just thinking of a performer who might done that. A Jolly Bad Fellow. Uh, Lou, uh, Lou Costello? Nope. Henry Morgan. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. He was not a... He was, he was known as the bad boy radio because he would tease the sponsors and drivers station managers. Oh, nuts. goodness gracious. I mean, he lost sponsors for people, and he would say what he wanted to. That's true. It, it, if you handed him a script, it was uh, bookmarks. That's all he used them for, I think. So, anyway, this is a collection of articles and... When I say articles, I'm I'm talking about uh, let's say 515, you know, just a regular article length and rich with information. There's Ernie Kovacs in here. It's more than 500 pages. It's more than 550 pages. And we're going to be talking about the book next week with Claire Schultz. Now he's the person who wrote Fibber McGee and Molly on the air and we talked with him just a few weeks ago about that book. So he is a not only a prolific writer but he's an excellent writer and uh, it really is a, a fun read in this book. So I'll have to finish reading more articles before next week. <laughs> I, can, I can do my thing. See what happens when we get two in a row? Bam, bam. I lose track. I know. I, I got to take care of my Patricia. Oh, dear me. Dear me. Yes. It's I, gonna be I'm a... going to need tea and cookies when we get finished with this month. Well, we'll just have to take care of her. And if I can only have one, just pass the cookies. Okay. <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought if you long with the chocolate syrup, then you'd be okay with that. Oh, yeah. We could have chocolate syrup on there, too. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. What I do need, though, is... A contact from Bob in Massachusetts. I did not get an email from him this week, so if he calls in, Walden, can you take him off the air and email address for me? Well, Bob, if you, if, 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 it's, if you want to send me the email, give that a shot, too. Uh, okay. We'll it's, try it both ways. Bob, if you can send me the email at WaldenShoes at yesterdayusa.com. That's W-A-L-D-E-N-H-U-G-H-E-S at Y-E-S-T-E-R-D-A-Y-U-S-A.com. Anybody who wants to get a hold of Patricia and don't remember her email, drop me and I'll send it to the lovely, the talented, the delightful, the smart, the witty Patricia. Hungry, Patricia. Yes. We, we can talk about food now. Mm. Walden mentioned the food. And yes. then, Thank and, you, sir. And then, uh, and it's you're so lovable. You haven't mentioned that recently. Then. Oh. You are so lovable. And then, if you actually drop a note to the town of the life or the hungry Patricia. <laughs> yes. Yeah, her email is Florida writer at hotmail.com. Spell it all out. F L O R I D A. The state, the, right? 
W R I T E R. That's one T. One T. At there's a little at sign there. Uh-huh. At Hotmail. That's H O T M A I L. Dot com. That's me. That's her. That's me. That's you. And yes. we have an, a handful of people. I'm going to have to go through my fan club member list and start sending out hoots to people. We have not heard from Lucy in New York in forever. I know. So, Lucy, if you're listening to us tonight, give us a call and let us know you're okay. Um, Rich in New Jersey, I said I got an email earlier today from him. Maurice in Washington, we have not heard from Maurice for a long time. Mm -hmm. Casey in New York, not for a long time. Mm -hmm. Jerry in Washington, we haven't heard from Jerry in Washington. And there are other folks out there we haven't heard from for a while. So pick up the phone, give us a call, let us know you're okay. And if you would like to, you can play trivia. Or two weeks ago, we got a new caller. If you like to make that three weeks in a row, give us a call, too. We'd love to hear both from the family and new people that can become part of the family. Either oh, way. Oh, good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. This is good. 714. That's 714-545-2071. That's area code 714-545-2071. All right. If you're a first-time caller, you automatically get to pick some radio shows for me to send to you. No, no, you're on the air. Well, I'm not. I, I wish I could be Lucy. I know. Uh, I know. I'm. I'm not Lucy. Are you really a first-time caller? <laughs> I'm a first-time caller tonight. Yeah, first-time caller tonight. How did the show go? Wait a minute. Time out. Time out. Ron, you made Gloria a very, very happy person. Yeah, I really love her, man. I... She was so thrilled, and she remembered right as soon as she heard you start to play, uh-huh. she knew who it was. Yep. Oh, boy. Thank you, Walden. We played it twice. Yeah. We played it twice, Ron. You, you, made, her, you, you made her birthday. Well, she, she, I know she's very special to Yesterday USA. Yes. You and Patricia are good friends of hers. Yeah. I love her, man. Yeah. And I, I felt so bad, that I, I, but I did record it, so oh, good. I, I'm gonna after, I'm gonna play it tomorrow. And she get, she was on with us for over two hours. Really? Yeah. Yeah, she stayed with us, and Ron, that was the first time I've ever had an opportunity to talk with Gloria. She has oh. friends with Walden for a long time. Well, I had we had her on. It's we had her on with the Family Game Maui special. And but the, I think and we had it on from but this was the first time I think a really true in depth. Really, uh, an honest to goodness long interview. Yeah. What but, what basically you guys talked about Armis Brooks and stuff? We talked about uh, her true life experiences of uh, <laughs> how she came down to Hollywood. We definitely talked about Armis Brooks. We had a lot of callers, and we found out you know. Uh, about her true passion in life, you know, which is she loves to perform and she loves kids. You know, she she was born she was born to be an actress and was born to teach. You know, she had a great mom. Um, oh yeah. You know, who really took her took care of her. You know. And yeah, yeah. And, you know, and it's And you think about the guts it took for a mom to bring a child who had. 
no introduction. She just, she wrote letters in Oregon, got a call, couple call, a couple letters back, and her first radio show was the Big Town on Christmas Day, 1937. But Hager G. Robinson gave her a break. And to think that when they lost their dad when she was 11, that, you know, for many, for several years, all they were living, the three girls were living in a one-room bedroom in somebody's house. So, your life wasn't all that peachy rosy. Well, it was, but, you know, uh... He said, he told me privately, you know, when her dad was killed, she talked about that details. Her mother was very wise with the insurance money. Her mother bought a car mm -hmm. and bought a small house in Beverly Hills, and that stabilized their family life. But, you know, unfortunately, losing her dad like that. Smart. Yeah. It's a good thing her mother had good insight, foresight, or whatever, you know. Yeah. That's yeah. Smart. Hey, did you, you guys moved your watches ahead already, right? Yeah, my clock uh, on the computer, and I guess everybody does, does it automatically. So even though my body says otherwise, my clock says 4.30. That's right. Yeah, you're six hours. Wait a minute. I have 12.30. What happened? Well, you haven't reached 2 o'clock yet. That's when right. it gets to 2 o'clock, it's going to automatically hop. Well, I have to move my watch and move it up. If not, I could keep it the way it is. <laughs> yeah. We're having trouble with this kid tonight. <laughs> I mean, he's a little iry, man. He's a little feisty tonight. Yes, I know. That's. Plays flute and stuff. And he plays some good jazz and some good dance music and whatever. Hey, by the way, you don't have, um, you, Patricia, you don't have this, um, running, running, share, right? I only have a couple, but I know I can get them. No, don't get one. I'll send you, uh, 52 
whole 52 um, series. That's all the programs they had made. And so it's the whole set? Very cool. Thank you, Ron. You know who, well, you know, you, you know, know who. You are a very giving person. Now it's sometimes our turn to, to give you something because you're so, well. And then you know who produced the series. Which, of oh, the Damon Runyon series? Uh-huh. Hello. Who produced it? He, he produced two radio series. Go ahead. I wouldn't know that unless it was Damon Runyon. Well, he, he <laughs> well, produced. He, 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 he produced. Well, I'll give you a clue. He produced radio. He produced Damon Runyon Theater, and he also produced his own show called Box Thirteen. Oh. Who was the star of Box Thirteen? Alan Yes, that was his. That was his company. For heaven's sake, I never would have known that. Did you know that, Rob? Yes. No. Well, we. I was talking to Walden the other day, and he Walden told me who. Mayfair. Yep, Mayfair Production. That was Alan Wyatt's company. Yeah, Alan Wyatt was a radio, uh, did a lot of radio in the 30s. That's how he got discovered. His, his later became his wife, Sue Carroll. fell in love with that voice. He was, I think, an announcer over KFWB. Fell, and then she broke him into movies. And I think... His wife? Yes. He, she really made, became his, her agent, then they, then they got married. And Susan Carroll made Alan Ladd. But she fell in love with that voice. The, the movie that I liked Alan Ladd in was Shane. Mm-hmm. Was it Shane? Yep. And Lux Radio Theater and stuff. He was very good. He was also in, more people may have made, I think he was also in Citizen Kane. And two years before the match. Yes, that was a good show. Yeah, he was in that one. Good show. Good show. Yeah. Alan did some wonderful things. Yeah. And you know, so are, so did Walden Hughes. <sighs> you do too. But I'm trying to, I'm, and he comes up with all these interesting guests, and it, and he teams up with this gal named Patricia. I know. She is my bud. The chick from Florida. I know. <laughs> I can be a chick. I know. And what, you're going to be, you're going to be 65, was it, Patricia? Oh, I thought you said she was 78 last week, so you're not what 13, we yeah, so you're not 13 years off her age. We're getting close. She's not 20, she's not 21 yet, but you're, you're getting close. 78, do you know, somebody was listening last week, our friend Dennis <laughs> was listening, and I didn't say it often enough or correctly, and he thought it was my birthday, and I apologize, Dennis. I'm a July baby, so you have to wait until July to wish me happy birthday. Yeah, don't, don't, don't take whatever we say is serious. <laughs> That'll be 79 in July. That's right. <laughs> if Patricia can have as much energy as Gloria at 78, I think she'll take it. Oh, gosh, I'll take it. Yeah. My, oh. Milton, my friend Milton said, you're kidding. Patricia couldn't be 78. <laughs> that's what messed everybody up when he said, because he thought it was, you were serious. Yeah, I know. It feels so good that I'm not the only gullible one in the whole world. You know, you're, you're kidding, Ron. You're not 78. <laughs> well, we made ourselves quite believable, didn't we? Yeah, I guess, yeah. I mean, how could you not trust this kid? How could people not trust you? Of course we told the truth. I'm 78. I think that's over here. Was it the speed 7845 or 33 and a third? Or something? <laughs> it's funny. You are well, funny. 
Anyway, look, look forward in a couple of weeks in receiving that. Um, at, um, oh my gosh. You sound like you're, you're wiped out tonight, Ron. You must have had a hard show. Well, there were lots of people, lots of requests. Mm. Did you know any of them? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's Damon Runyon you're you know, thinking of. You know, the thing always got me, sometimes when I go to the piano and, and I make a request and I still keep the money when I don't know the song, I always sort of wondering, how, how can you have the guts? Say, well, I'll play anything, you'll you, you give me a buck or something, so when somebody has the buck and they, they don't know the song, they still keep the money. I always well, thought... The person is still playing. I know, but... When he says, I, can, I will play anything... Yeah. So, oh. Somebody asked me, and this is a long time ago, and somebody asked me, how can a sight, uh, uh, visually impaired person know the difference between uh, $1 and uh, $5 and $10? And then I said, oh, we can tell by the smell, you know. Just <laughs> <laughs> say that. Well, yeah, what we did, and she said, I can't believe it. So I told my wife, we will plan this. I told him, when you kick me under the table, if you kick me once, it's a $5. <laughs> Twice, it's a $10. If you kick me three times, that's a 20 So I said, okay, I'll prove it to you. And, and <laughs> if I guess it right, do I get to keep it? She said, of course, because I can't believe this. So she, she gave me a pill and I smelled it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. One last story, then I'll, I'll, I'll got to go to bed. But anyway, 
We, I went to the deaf and blind school when I was from first to ninth grade, and we had a dance band. <coughs> we had to play for some, for the deaf people. How could the deaf people appreciate your dance music? Wait a minute. Okay. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh. So I said, you know, I, I, I said this is ridiculous. <laughs> we played. I said, why don't we, why don't we just, when we want to let the dance deaf people dance fast. We'll just make like we're playing fast music. But don't, don't wear yourself out. Just, just make the motion like you're playing fast. Or anyway, there's some people that can hear a little bit. And they found out what us blind people were doing to them. So they got really mad. So, so it was their turn to plan an assembly and they hired a magician. And they put the blind people in front. And, and, and the magician said, to everybody, I'm going to show you that my hand is quicker than your eye. <laughs> and the people just love you because they can see you. And this one blind person said, you know what? Let me just say something, magician. Every hand is quicker than my eye, you know? <laughs> but the funny part was these deaf people were just having a blast because the blind people didn't know what the heck they were doing. <laughs> people were just loving, but they said they were getting even with us because what we, but they, they can talk about the vibrations. And, you know, I found out that deaf people, Believe it or not, can enjoy a concert even though they can't hear, but they can feel the vibration yeah. of the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because this one guy sat at my piano bar in in the Hawaiian village and he and he sent a note and somebody read it to me, said, You know, I've been sitting here for forty minutes listening to your music. I'm totally deaf, but the vibrations of your music felt good and wow. I have enjoyed your music thoroughly. What a neat thing. You know, so I learned my lesson. I said, you know, we 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 think that deaf people don't know how to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure Walden and I would agree that we'd rather be sightless than, than deaf. Absolutely. Amen. I think I think being completely deaf, it, it's a tougher of the two handicaps. I know. I agree. But, but I learned that deaf people have a way of enjoying things that we least think that we, mm-hmm. they would enjoy, you know? And I was quite impressed when the note came said I, I just could feel the vibrations of the music and, and it felt good. Yeah. So I learned a very important lesson that you know, no matter whether you're deaf or blind or whatever, there, there, there is a way of enjoying whatever you need to enjoy. Music is a universal language, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I, I guess, yeah. And, of course, now, when you watch TV, they have, what, those things for the hearing impaired? Yeah. Now, what do you call them? Uh, the, all the words appear on the screen. Yeah, closed close caption, I think it's called. Yeah, there you go. That's the word. Yeah. Closed caption. But it's amazing. It's amazing. And deaf people can call, and they have these people that type for them, and, right. uh, you know, they can talk to me and you, and whatever, you know. But still, Walden and I, I think we still would rather be um, visually impaired than to be. Yeah, true. I agree. Yeah. I was reading some talk show where uh, I think relatives of a deaf person called in, they thought it was the other way around. So I guess it depends what catbird seat you're sitting in, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad what we got. 
Not only that, yeah. it's it's nice to be able to talk and poke fun at Patricia, know. you know. <laughs> but she's going to be 78, and yeah, my mom always said, respect your elders, and so, you know. Well, this is really good. Um, you know, you're sending me Damon Runyon. That's a very respectful thing to do. That's right. Uh-huh. Well, I want to treat my elders with respect. Yeah. Of course. I'm doing something respectful. I'm yes. grateful. Yes, you're doing something respectful. Yeah. There you now, go. That means um, since I'm your elder, <laughs> I get to tell you that you have to answer a question tonight. Oh, I already did. I'm, I'm already, you are going to send me Fred Allen and the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah, they're in an envelope. They just haven't gotten to the mailbox yet. Well, when the Pony Express goes 20 miles to the mailbox. <laughs> oh, Ron, I just got so messed up with my schedule in the last two weeks. It has been terrible, but they are in an envelope. I'll even knock the envelope on the desk for you. But um, they any good unless they get in the mailbox, you know? Don't worry about it. Well, I know. People say don't worry about it, but be around for a while. I'm good for them, everybody, and I'm just a little late again this time. Boy, I, I'm a mess. Just waiting for Damon Runyon to get into the mail, and, and it will be off to you, you know, and like that. Yeah. Okay, are you ready for a question? I, my wife thinks that you're an angel because she said, how can Patricia keep on sending you stuff? You better do something for her. Oh, how sweet. You tell Gail I give her a hug. You know what? Your wife is right. Patricia is an angel. There's no doubt about it. Oh, I can't stand this. I'm so adorable. You are. I tell my wife that you're 78. She'll fall off the seat. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell her. I won't. Tell her, okay? Wait. All right. All right. Anyway, I'm going to let you guys go. I'm I'm, kind of a little bushed out now, and so... I, I, I just wanted to know that, oh, by the way, uh, you know you know that we had a tidal wave um, tsunami thing. Yes. Luckily, you know, we had some damages for the people where, where people bought their boats, you know, the docks and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But we were very fortunate we had really no major injury or death, you know, in Hawaii. But we really feel for the people in Japan. They uh-huh. really really got hit hard. It, it is a mess over there, and um, the first thing we did when we started the show tonight was to send our hearts and good thoughts to the people in Japan and, and everybody who got hit by this, because as you say, even Hawaii took a hit with the uh, tsunamis. Well, we lost four or five people here on the West Coast. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they went out to look at the tsunami. One was a photographer who fell in. One was a photographer. Yes. Oh, she! I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, this is awful. Yeah. Well, Ron, I'm so happy everybody is safe there. You've got a volcano going off out there too. Yeah, but I, I, yeah, we we're very fortunate that we, we, we came out not as bad as we could have been. Right. So, but I, I, but like. Did you they? What did they? What did they do, Ron? Did they have a? Did they call everybody? Honey, you knew there was some, uh, oh, uh, what? You know, there's what you call a SIG alert, and, and um, they, 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 they have it on the radio, and all the bulletins go, go out and stuff, and television stations. And people who live near the beach, uh, the police calls around and on a loudspeaker saying, you have to go to higher ground, or please, there are shelters, on the loudspeaker, they'll go around the neighborhood where the beach area. Mm. What was really interesting was at around 10 o'clock, as I was going home in the night, when they had the alert that people should start evacuating, 
the gasoline stations were just piled. Mm-hmm. People filling up gas, you know, for for safety or whatever. And the gas stations were just... And some gas stations ran out of gasoline because... Wow. You see that in hurricane season here. People will watch a hurricane coming across the ocean, across the ocean, across the ocean, and 14 hours before it's supposed to hit, everybody's at the gas station, you know, <laughs> trying to fill up. And it's a reasonable thing to fill up, even if your gas tank is only half full, because when a hurricane hits, the power goes down, and you need power to pump gas. And you don't know how long it's going to last. No. No, you just have to get out there a little bit sooner than a lot of people do. But we've been thinking about you, and um, Florida, Florida is noted for hurricanes, though, right? I mean, Florida is hurricane season. Uh, yes, we we are hurricane capital here. But, I don't know if we're the hurricane capital. We're the lightning capital. There's no place on earth that gets more lightning than we do. Is Orlando more hard hit than where you live, perhaps? Um, it's hard to say because the storms can come from so many different directions. I would say no. I would say no. They're, they, you know, they're, they're not on the coast. So it's the coastal communities on the beach that get hit the hardest, and Orlando is not. Um, okay. They're not on the beach. Well, let me tell you, you know, Orlando has good Cuban food. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Orlando. Honey I mean, has good Cuban food. Mm-hmm. Where you live? No, I'm on the other side. Yeah. I had some in Miami. Yeah, it does. It's known for Cuban food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very large Cuban population in Hawaii. Uh, in Hawaii, listen to me, in Miami and the surrounding areas. And they've got a whole section in the Miami area called Little Havana. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, I ate some Cuban food, and it's pretty good, you know. Stuff, yeah. yeah. All food is good stuff. I wish Desi Arnaz was my wait- waiter, but he wasn't around. But, yeah. <laughs> Good food. Good we, food. We love you, man, in mm-hmm. Hawaii. And when we, we, we want you to know, by me, we, me, me and my wife, Gail, we think you're wonderful. So. Well, we think you guys yeah. are pretty cool, yeah. too. You take care of Walden and oh, Patricia, and we'll listen next week to your wonderful guest. Oh, thank you. And you're getting so out listen. without a question tonight. You know that. Listen tomorrow night. I mean, tomorrow. Hey, what's on top for tomorrow, Walden? I'm still haven't really worked everything out yet. I'll either play a Ray Bream or John Dunning interview or something. I'll, um, and I'll, I'll pop, sneak in a Jack Benny. But uh, everything's still in the work, so I guess we'll have to wait. But I'll play. I'm thinking about playing uh, the time when Ray Breen had Les Paul in the studio. And Les Paul tells a great story how he got onto the Bing Crosby show. I'll give you the short version. That sounds like a play. It, it, it was. He and a guy crashed Bing Crosby studio. Really? <laughs> yeah, they really did. They, they knew. They. They knew that um, Bing liked to get there at 6 in the morning to, you know, to stretch out and rehearse. So they 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 walked in to the studio carrying this, all this equipment. So the guys let them in, and this was the night before. So they went over to, they knew what studio Bing liked to hang out with, a small little studio. They broke in there at 9 o'clock at night, and they stayed up all night playing music, waiting for Bing at 6 in the morning to open and hear the door. Open, and he was surprised to see Les Paul and his guys playing. 
And he said, oh, I'm sorry, I thought this was you, I thought I was doing, no, no. And then they, and then he, Bean decided to walk out of the room and said, hey, you guys are pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah. How about being on my show? And so I said, sure, how much, Bean? And Bean was walking out, oh, how about 1500 And while he was walking out, and said to us, said, well, how much for the other guys? And Bean called them twice. And that's how they broke in the radio. Wow. So you'll hear the full version how that how they broke in into radio. And by the way, um, that's interesting, and I'm, that sounds good. Lucy is the one that you call her the president of your. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. President of our fan club. She hasn't called for a while. And no, we're really getting concerned about her. Yeah, because she used to always call. I know. Always, maybe like two times. Sometimes. I know. But she would always listen to you guys. And you're right. They were open for about a month or so, right? I know. It's Longer true. than a month, yeah. That's uh, true. Have an email address or what? Mm-hmm. You bet. You. Maybe you better email her and see what's going on. I, I will send another one. I did send one a few weeks ago. And um, so I'll send another one. Thank you for the reminder. No replied? No. Oh, my gosh. All right, well, you guys find out, and I will sign off by saying love you guys and aloha from the land of sunshine and flowers. Ooh, I love it. Thank you, Ron, and I'm so glad everyone is safe. Good night, pal. Love you, Ron. Love you, Ron. Bye-bye. You can give us a call. 714-545-2071 show number. Yeah, almost 5 o'clock in the morning. Patricia, doing good? I know, I know, and I've still got so much stuff. Gosh, you might Ready be... Ready for stuff? Oh, sure. Okay, well, um, we'll have to wait for Mr. Potato Head. I've got some information about Mr. Potato Head. This is so cool. Um, birthdays, birthdays, birthdays. Who has a birthday this weekend, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, 11, 12, or 13 in March? Gloria McMillan. What? Huh? Gloria McMillan. Well, yes, Gloria has a birthday <laughs> on the 13th. And on the 11th, in 1909, Phil Leslie was born. Uh, and you know, I guess maybe that's where I should play them tomorrow. Uh, Larry Gaffman just sent me a Phil Leslie interview with John Dunning. Oh, that would be excellent. Phil Leslie was one of the writers on the Fibber McGee and Molly yeah. show. So you might, you, you might like to listen to that. I would love to listen to that. Yeah, so I might play that, too. Yeah, and when, when you get to John Dunning, you're going to raise your hand and say, ooh, ooh, here, here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You hear the Ray Breen with Les Paul and Mary, uh, with Les Paul, I believe. Yeah, I'll play both. Because I think the Les Paul a couple hours, so I'll play, I'll play Dunning and Les Paul. Okay. Well, before I get to the fun stuff, like channel changers and things, I have two questions for you. Sure, I'm hungry. <laughs> Not that time. No. Okay, first question. This is really cool. I like this one. This is not old-time radio. This is a historic happening. Are you ready? You think, you, you think the lady thinks I know this? Okay. Uh, the lady knows you know it. Okay. The lady is going to try to ask it in a way that you won't recognize it, however. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My On lady. March 12th, 1903, something happened to the New York Highlanders. Who were the New York Highlanders and what happened? They changed their name and became the New York Yankees. There you go. See, I knew you 
wouldn't let me down. I know. What happened? I mean, that's kind of unfair. Did what it, happened did, on March 12, 1903 to the Islanders? Did they change their name to the New York Yankees on that day? No, not that day. Hmm. I don't know. The team was approved to be a member of the American League. Ah, very good. So I have to go back and find out when they changed their name. But gosh, I just, you know, I looked at this and I thought, Highlanders, Highlanders. I haven't heard the name Highlanders. And I said, nah, he'll know. <laughs> I knew you would know. Okay, and this one I know you know, but I did my best. So I'm going to ask you anyway, and it's fun information even if you know the answer. Which kids show offered a birthstone ring as a premium? Oh, well, that'd be Little Orphan Annie in 1935. That was Little Orphan Annie in 1935. They offered it on, in October from the time when Little Orphan Annie was celebrating her birthday. So they offered that at a, um, a premium. If you could tell them your birthstone, your ring, you got your birthstone. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, I have the ad. Uh, I've got the shows that the ad ran on, but in print. I saw it in print, so I copied it and pasted it. Daddy Warbucks had sent Annie a birthstone ring for her birthday, and the listeners could have one. Each listener could have one, and this is how they were billed. The rings were 24-carat gold plate. Hello. <laughs> Which is pretty good. I mean, you know, a gold-plated ring for a kid for, what, 22 cents? Let me see. I'll... Probably 10 cents or less. It was 10 cents and a seal from the lid of a novelteen jar. So it was 24 karat gold plate and had a different birthstone on the top for each month of the year. Now this is a sentence that always made me laugh and I've heard it several times on the Orphan Annie shows that I have. This is a quote. The birthstones are genuine handmade artificial stones imported from Europe. <laughs> so we'll go through this one more time. Genuine. Uh-huh. Handmade. Uh-huh. Artificial. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, this is, a, it sounded so important when they said it, you oh, know, when the announcer oh, yeah. said it. These birthstones are genuine handmade artificial stones imported from Europe. Similar rings in stores cost from 2 to $4, but Ovaltine offers them for only $0.10 cents and the seal from under the lid of a jar of Ovaltine. The month of your birth is shown on one side of the stone and the sentiment for that month on the other. You know if you play word games? That's interesting how does you get genuine and artificial in the same sentence. I know! <laughs> <laughs> and you can get a handmade stone. <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> Imported from Europe. Wow. You know, I, they, they, they didn't have truth in advertising laws back then. I wonder how they would have answered to this. I think I think in a way it was a correct statement. It was genuine. It was real. Everything was, was real. But it was artificial stone. Yep. I guess. And it was handmade on top of it. Not true. Oh, how man. they would prove that. I well, guess. The, ring, the ring itself was handmade. Yeah. Well, no. It says genuine. The birthstones are genuine handmade artificial stones. That's a hoot. Yeah. That really is a hoot. So maybe it was genuine handmade. Well, it says birthstones. The stones were genuine handmade, not the ring. I thought I was giving them credit for having said that the ring was handmade, but that's not not what the ad said. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Amazing. But we've got a whole bunch of stuff. Do you want the rest of my stuff? I'll even bypass Mr. Potato Head. 
Well, I'm a little hungry. I'm ready to play a show and we can come back. Uh, five o'clock. Sure, we could do that. She okay with that? I'm okay with that. Let me get out my my little show thing here, or thang as they say down here. Thang, thang. Nope, that's not the right one. Keep talking to me. Here we are. Well, let's see here. I have a little anecdote to play. Okay, we're going to play. What are we going to play? What? I was telling you I had some of the uh, Sherlock Holmes little antidote stories. Oh, yeah, that's so, good. I do have my, my paper for this. So here's, here's a time when Harry Bartell talked about the show, how he got on. I guess we better t- turn the tape over. Here we go. This is yesterday. In 1945, I considered myself a very lucky man because I was the announcer on the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. My name is Harry Bartell. Won't you join me now as I reminisce about those wonderful days of dramatic radio? Taylor was the producer of the show. He was the Young and Rubicam representative, Young and Rubicam being the advertising agency for Petri Wines. And Edna Best, in the season that I was on the show as, a, as the announcer, was the director. So that uh, Glenhall would provide commercial material and so forth for Edna's use, and then Edna directed the show in the booth. She was the one who made all the line changes, all the timing uh, changes, all the cuts, and so forth. I know that Glenhall, I think, directed it one year. I got the Sherlock Holmes show by accident. I came over to CBS Studios on Sunset Boulevard one day to rehearse for another show, and the lobby was loaded with announcers. Practically every announcer in Hollywood was there. I couldn't figure out what was going on, and as a secretary came out with her list and said, George or Sam or whoever. I said, what's going on here? And she said, they're announcing, uh, auditioning rather, for a new show. And I said, who's holding the audition? She said, Edna Best. Edna Best was a lovely, lovely lady. I had worked with her on other shows. And I said, if she has a moment, let me sneak into the studio, if you don't mind, just to say hello, and I'll come right back out. She said, I'll ask. So she came out a little later and said, you can go in for just a second. I went in, stepped in front of the microphone, which was set up in the studio, and said, Edna, I came in to say hello. Hello, bye-bye. And I started to leave. And she said, aren't you going to read? And I said, well, no, I hadn't planned to read. She said, well, as long as you're here, read anyway. So she gave me the copy that they were auditioning. And I said, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to see you again. And I left, never dreaming that I would ever get it. Because there were big name announcers the Ken Carpenters, the Ken Niles, the Wendell Niles, a whole bunch of them. And sure enough, I got a call, and that's how I wound up on the show, because I happened to be in CBS at that time. Petri Wine brings you... Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce and the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. And that's how Harry Bartell became the announcer of Sherlock Holmes. What a great story. Yeah. Boy, Kismet played such, such an important part in so many of the successful careers of people on radio. Oh. Just 
kismet. Just being in the right place at the right time, yeah. or saying the right word, or bumping into the right person. And they had to make it, of course, on their merits. Right. But having an opportunity to show what they could do was a matter of happenstance for so many of them. Yeah, just breaking into the business. If you think about it, 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 it we lived in a land of opportunities, and if you made the right contact, and if somebody gave you a chance, if you could prove yourself, uh-huh. you were in. Uh-huh. Yeah. Only in America. Yeah. What a great country, huh? I'm glad we live here, Patricia. I am glad we live here. Yeah. yeah. Are we going to do a show? We're going to do a show. We're going to do a Fibber McGee and Molly show, and tonight we will be able to come back for a while. That's right. We will. That's why we, we picked a show called Pancake Day for tonight yeah. from February 26, 1952. This is starting to move to the end of the half-hour series uh, before they started the 15-minute series in the second part of 1953. Is that correct? You got you got. Oh, them. boy, I'm doing so much better. Hooray for me. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're here in February 1952, and in some of the 1952 shows... Molly is starting to sound weary. Like it's, you know, it's not an effort for her to act, but it's like she didn't feel very well. She just didn't feel well. This one, however, is fine. I didn't pick anything up in this one that would suggest that she wasn't feeling well or was uh, was getting tired or, you know, just, just kind of pooping out. Uh, that happened in some of the other shows. But this one is great. She really did a great job. So, here's the setup. Fibber found an almanac, and like Patricia, on Saturday nights, he doesn't know when to stop when he's reading useless but fun stuff, <laughs> which we will have later. I've got lots of useless but fun stuff. So, now, because he's got this almanac, he discovers it's National Pancake Day. And as everybody knows, of course, every day of national commemoration is supposed to have a celebration. And Fibber sets out to do just that. So here we go. I'm going to have three questions about the show when we come back. And uh, if you answer just one correctly, I'll be a very happy camper and you'll have some extra radio shows. That sounds like a deal to me. Yes, I off the masters, too. Yeah? My copy. What? My copy that I'm going to play is right off the masters. Oh, your copy. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. We are playing Pancake Day from February 26th, 1952, and we will be back in about 29 and a half minutes. The Pet Milk Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. First Evaporated Milk, Pet Milk, presents Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, Gloria McMillan, Marion Richmond, Peter Leeds, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The show is written by Phil Leslie and Keith Fowler and directed by Max Hutto with music by the Kingsman and Billy Mills Orchestra. Today is National Pancake Day. That reminds me to remind you to enjoy a pancake breakfast tomorrow morning. Make plenty of them. Make them the delicious melt-in-your-mouth pet milk way. Just use your favorite pancake mix, and instead of ordinary milk, use pet milk mixed half and half with water. Once you taste pancakes made with pet milk, you'll never want to make them the old way again. 
And with butter and syrup on the table and pet milk candy for your coffee, what a wonderful way to start the day. Right now, grocery stores are featuring the everyday items needed for making delicious pancakes. Stores are also featuring Mary Lee Taylor's recipe folder, which includes her famous pet milk pancake recipe. So help yourself to the recipe, take along several cans of pet evaporated milk, and give that family of yours a real treat. Pancakes made with pet milk. They sure are good. Have you ever seen the raptured expression of a young girl reading a copy of True Love Tales? Or the intense pleasure of a young man reading cowboy comics? Well, that's nothing compared to the pure bliss that the 1952 Almanac brings to the face of Mr. McGee. Of Fibber McGee and Molly. Hoganburg, Kansas, population 4,237. Honeyville, Alabama, 6,845. Horse Creek, Wyoming, 2,999. 2, Gee, this is great stuff, kiddo. You know what this almanac? Well, frankly, it does very little for me. Huh? Uh, what's so thrilling about the population of those little cows? Well, now you take that last one. Horse Creek, Wyoming, 2,999. Yes. Just the fact that I live in Wistful Vista instead of Horse Creek is the only thing that keeps them from hitting the 3,000 mark. <laughs> I, I, I tell you, it gives a man a feeling of power. Well, now, if that's what you want, put away the almanac and get out the vacuum cleaner. Huh? When you turn that on, you can feel the power surging right up your arm. <laughs> oh, I'm afraid you don't appreciate the almanac, Mommy. <laughs> what a book. Filled with fascinating facts and fabulous figures that furnish fine food for a fellow's feeble faculties. <laughs> Listen to this. It says, February the 26th is Pancake Day, which is supposed to celebrate the... Hey, what day is this? February the 26th? My gosh, this is Pancake Day. It's been Pancake Day ever since we got up this morning. Well, maybe we should have stayed in bed. <laughs> I must have had a hunch, kiddo. Something must have told me it was Pancake Day when I asked you to cook me that fourth stack of wheats for breakfast. <laughs> Anyhow, we ought to do something to celebrate a day like this. Well, would you like me to mix you another batch? While you ate them, I could wave a flag. <laughs> I don't mean just us. Everybody ought to celebrate Pancake Day. It ought to be a national holiday. Oh, McGee, now I'm as fond of pancakes as anyone, but I can't quite see closing the schools in their honor. Oh, you can't, eh? Well, that's on account of because you haven't studied this great country like I have's background. <laughs> Pancakes is part of our national inheritance, kiddo. It is? Yes, sir. Why, our forefathers come here on the Mayflower, didn't they? And you know why it was called the Mayflower? Why? Because it sailed in May and it was full of flour for making pancakes. <laughs> why, all our great ancestors made history with one hand and pancakes with the other, Molly. Well, I'm sure they did. Bet you they did. When Patrick Henry said, give me liberty or give me death, who was it piped up and said, make mine flannel cake? I don't know who Nobody Oh <laughs> So let's not start now You just calm down, dear How can I calm down? Here we got a great occasion like this And Whistle Vista ain't just doing a thing about it I'm gonna wake this town up I'm gonna call Mayor Latrivia And tell him to declare a holiday Oh, McGee, don't start a lot Hand me the phone Thanks Hello, operator Give me Mayor Latrivia's office at you, Mert Oh, dear <laughs> 
How's every little thing, Myrtle? Here they. What's they, Myrtle? Your kid sister. Had trouble with some dogs at 14th and Oak. All bitter, huh? Heavenly days. Did the vicious animals hurt the poor child? No, she bought some hot dogs from the stand at 14th and Oak. Something was wrong with the mustard, and the dogs were all bitter. <laughs> What's that, Mert? Okay. Trivia's line is busy. Come on, let's go down to City Hall and sell him on Pancake Day. We'll strike while the griddle is hot. I gotta get to the... the pitch, Latrivia. You grasp my idea about Pancake Day? I grasp it, McGee. Good. Now tell me if I can count on your help and don't shilly-shally what's your answer. No. You could have shillied for a few more shallies than that. I want nothing to do with another special day, McGee. Believe me, I've had my fill of them. Oh? Are there many special days, Mr. Mayor? Literally hundreds. There's turtleneck sweater day, drink more persimmon juice day... And see your dentist twice a day, day. Well, heavenly days. Hardly, Molly. <laughs> Last week, for instance, the Whistle Vista Delicatessen Association persuaded me to take part in Liverwurst Day. The memory still haunts me. What happened, Mr. Mayor? Well, there was a ceremony at the City Hall. A oh. small child, representing the spirit of Liverwurst, <laughs> came forward clutching a ten-pound slug of the stuff in her tiny hand. A gift. For the mayor. I made a brief speech of acceptance and sat down. What was so bad about that? While I was talking, the child had grown tired of holding the liverwurst and placed it in my chair. <laughs> now, that was terrible. Well, I ain't talking about liverwurst, Latrivia. I'm asking you to support Pancake Day. Are you still going to turn me down? Flatter than a pancake. Well, by George Latrivia, we'll see about this. I'll get the public behind me and make you recognize Pancake Day. I'll tell them that a guy who's against pancakes is against the American way of life. I'll tell him you're submersive. <laughs> McGee, submersive means something that goes underwater. You said it. When I get through talking, they'll throw you in Dugan's Lake. Billy Mills in the orchestra and Tulip and Heather.